first Sunday of Advent, would you stand with me? And we're going to read a sermon from Isaiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the enlightening power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would quicken our hearts and help us to receive today the light and the life that you want us to receive and that it would be something that we would take with us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Advent 1. The meaning of Advent, uh, literally, the word Advent comes from the, the Latin word Adventus. Does anybody ever get the idea that English was invented by just taking all of the Latin words and dropping us off the end of it, and, and then suddenly you had English? Uh, that actually is a translation into Latin of a Greek word, parousia, or parousia. And literally what it means is it means physical presence, arrival, something, someone that was intangible becoming tangible, something that was invisible becoming visible, a physical presence actually showing up. What physical presence would we be talking about this time of year? We would not be talking about Santa, sails, and snow, though they are all a physical presence. And that's oftentimes what people think about when they come into this time of year in our society, in our culture, but that's not what this is about. In thinking of an arrival of physical presence, it is not also, it is not, those guests coming from out of town who come to visit you who don't want to come to church. I'm going to spend a minute on this. You're just going to have to deal with it. Because I, as a pastor, I have to deal with it every year. Because I, I, I hear it frequently. It's not just in, in Christmas time, but, you know, a lot of people have guests at Christmas time. I'll hear, well, you know what? We, we wanted to come to church, but uh, Uncle Fred, sorry, Fred, 
Uncle Fred came and visited, and he doesn't go to church. And I'm kind of like, so? This is, and, and so nobody got to go. Nobody's going because Uncle Fred doesn't want to go. Listen, this is an evangelistic opportunity, people. If these, are people, if, these, if these people coming to see you are people who don't normally go to church, take them. Or if you go and they don't, I, hopefully they're adults. If they're kids, make them come. But if they're adults, they, they lived without you before they got here. And they can live without you for a couple of hours while they are here. And... and, and but turn the screws. Come on, I mean, if they're going to eat your food, if they're going to drink your water, if they're going to use your bathroom, if they're going to burn your electricity, then they ought to go to church with you. I mean, they owe you one. And, and so you just need to say to them, look, Church the Musical, have you ever seen that one? Yeah. And you will love our pastor. <laughs> okay, that's just that was messing with you. All right, uh, but no, but the rest isn't. Uh, no, I, 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 I'm serious. It, it. When I was a kid, if somebody came to visit somebody who was a churchgoer, they were still going to be a churchgoer, and everybody knew. I mean, they know you may not have to go with them, but you ain't going to be spending time with them if you're not at church when they are. Yeah, that has done a total 180. In my lifetime, and I don't understand it. Just saying. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> what it actually is referring to, Advent in this sense, can either be, in fact, is both his first coming and his second coming. It is a season in the present for us to consider the past and the future, the physical appearing. Of God on earth physical appearing of Jesus Christ and let me just very briefly give you an outline of where we're going to go during during the four Sundays of Advent the first the first Sunday is this Sunday and I'm going to be talking about well we read the sermon it's about unto us a, a, a child is born unto us a son is given we're going to be looking back at that first Advent of Christ next Sunday Advent 2 I figure second Advent, second coming. You know, we will look forward. Talk about the second coming of Christ. The third Sunday, for the first time I can really remember during, uh, during the time that we've been observing Advent, I'm going to actually not be in the pulpit, and Barbie's going to bring uh, a message from Mary's perspective, from her point of view. I figured she could probably do that better than I could. <laughs> and then the fourth Sunday, I'll do one from Joseph's point of view. And some of you have seen me do that before, and that's what I'm going to do again this year. And it's a lot of people's favorite thing because it only takes me 25 minutes and then I'm done. <laughs> Just being honest. But I also want to remind you that uh, Christmas Day is, the, is really the end of Advent. And so on December 25th from 11 to noon, I, I don't know, it's a toss-up between, between Christmas Day and, and uh, Carol's by Candlelight as to which one is my favorite, but uh, it, it, it's what the day is about. It's, we come to worship. We, we, 
we partake of the table. Many in the many Christians in the evangelical camp are, are unfamiliar with Advent, though we know about Christmas. And you know, Christmas is a is a part of the Advent season. Um, just a couple of things about this was was Christ born on December the twenty fifth? Almost certainly not. Does that matter? Absolutely certainly not. What matters is that we actually set aside some time and spend some time to think about something that we don't normally think about that's very important that we should be spending some time thinking about. Uh, a very important event did happen, more than likely, on December the 25th. Now, I, you know, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but if you, if you come to see uh, uh, the Star of Bethlehem, which will be Wednesday week, You'll find out what it is. Uh, I've heard some people question whether or not we should celebrate Christ's birth, or whether we should look, you know, whether we should consider it, make a big deal out of it. And you know, it's not commanded. It's not in the Bible. Well, it's not in the Bible. Well, it is in the Bible. That's how we know that it happened. But you know, the it's not commanded. That's true in the Bible. But I generally tell these people, you know, there's a lot of things that we're not commanded to do that we that we tend to do and a lot of things that we're commanded to do that are good and Paul says when it comes to special days we really shouldn't judge each other one person considers every day to be alike okay that's fine other people consider special days and that's fine neither one should judge each other here's the thing for me I know angels celebrated it I know that shepherds celebrated it I know that wise men celebrated it and I consider myself to be pretty wise and I'm a shepherd and and <laughs> okay y'all are more fun this week than you were last week i just want to say last week the early service was a lot more fun than the second service but you guys seem to have something going on i don't know what it is I, i'm just thinking if if they celebrated it it's okay for me to celebrate it it's okay it's okay for me to look to look forward to it uh and then there are others who go, well, you know, it's really, just, that's a pagan festival. It's a midwinter pagan festival, and uh, it really wasn't about Christ to begin with, and the church just came in, and they took it over and made it about Christ, to which I say, yes! Let's take all of the pagan festivals. In fact, let's take all of the pagan everything and get it sanctified and make it about Christ. That's, the, that's part of the genius of the gospel and the way and the way that it's the way that it the way that it functions it doesn't it doesn't it Jesus prayed over in John 17 he said father my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world but that you would protect them from the evil one because I'm going to keep them in this world this world needs some salt it needs some light it needs and, and it's going to happen through my body. It's going to happen through the church. So don't take them out. Protect them. Keep them from the evil one. This is a time of year when almost everybody is willing to listen to the story. And believe it or not, well, you probably do believe it. I'm, I'm old enough to say believe it or not, but most of you are young enough that, well, of course you know. There's a lot of people out there who don't have any idea what the story is. They really don't. But they will listen to it if you'll tell it to them. They'll listen to it now. You know, February's maybe too late. But right now, they'll go, what is this all about? 
and you can tell them. You, you can talk to them about it. That's how the, I, I think that's how the, the church got in trouble and started abandoning its mission to the world. Anything that had to do with the world, oh, we can't touch that. No, it, it, it's ours. Everything is ours, Paul says. Let's, let's take it. This passage today, Isaiah tells us, Isaiah tells us more about Messiah than any other prophet, and it's not even close. No, nobody else really even comes close. And in fact, in terms of, in terms of some of the, the mysteries, you know, he, he actually rivals the Gospels, really, quite frankly, in terms of what he knows about Messiah and what he brings. He lived 700 years before Jesus came. And yet he's so closely connected. The first time I read Isaiah, I was like most people. By the time I got through it the, through it, the first time, I was like, I'm glad I'm through it. But as you read it more and more and more and more, it's like poetry that begins. To, the first time you read it, you go, it's, they, oh, it rhymes. Only this doesn't rhyme, okay? But it's like poetry, and it gets into your heart. And it gets into your spirit, and it's very deep, and it, and it lives there. Uh, and now it's, it's my favorite book in the, in the entire Old Testament today. Uh, when Jesus began his ministry, he began it with Isaiah. In his hometown, he got up to preach. They handed him a scroll. He, he took the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he read, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled the scroll back up, put it into place, and he said, this day, this passage has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is about me. He's talking about what I have been commissioned to do, what I have come to do. Isaiah is the one who, who actually assigns Messiah his commission, and most of you know this, but let me mention it anyway. He stopped in the middle of a sentence because it's supposed to read, well, it does read, release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And he stopped right after the year of the Lord's favor because the first time that he came, he wasn't coming to proclaim vengeance. He was coming to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, next time, he'll come to declare the day of vengeance of our God. And I am so glad that uh, the vengeance of our God is a day and his favor is a year. Uh, I, I, I like, I like that, that balance of things. But this is good news this time. To the poor, bind up the brokenhearted. Anybody here ever had a broken heart? Anybody here ever needed healing of that? Freedom for the captives. Anybody here ever been enslaved by anything? Maybe, you know, and I know where we normally go with that, but let's try this, maybe enslaved by unforgiveness? Enslaved by hatred? Release from darkness for the prisoners. Isaiah is the one who gave him that. And of course, Isaiah 53 is a preeminent Messianic chapter where we find this verse but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed does anybody know why it starts with but 
It's because of the passage before it. The passage before it, the verse before it, says we thought he was getting what he deserved. We thought God was punishing him. We thought God was doing these things to him. But no, he wasn't getting what he deserved. He was getting what we deserved. God wasn't angry with him. God was angry with sin. He was being obedient to God. Concerning the first advent of the Messiah, Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. It was important for Christ to be born of a virgin because he had to be born without sin. All of us are born into sin. Christ had to be born without sin. You know, and, and when you get to heaven or when you stand before God, it's not going to be on the test. I mean, you know, they're not going to say, God's not going to say, do you believe in the virgin birth? Yeah. But virgin birth is very important. It's a very important thing. It, it, actually, it actually had to happen. It's not just some esoteric doctrine out there. It's not just something that, you know, like, ooh, this is so cool. I mean, this guy's like, like Anakin Skywalker. You know, he was, he was born of a virgin. No, uh-uh. It, it had to happen that way and Isaiah is the one who tells us that and then he says in today's passage for to us a child is born to us a son is given the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace we know that verse pretty well in fact some of you may even know a song to it but uh, the rest of the passage I want to look at for just a few moments because he starts out by saying the people walking in darkness have seen a great light and on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned who are these people us they're us that's what this is about in fact over and when I say us I don't just mean human beings I mean the Gentiles he clarifies it a little more in Isaiah 49. He says, is it too small? He's talking about Messiah again, because Isaiah did that a lot. Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, bring back those of Israel I have kept? I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And Matthew picks it up, and he combines both of those passages together. In Matthew 4, he says, Land of Zebulun and land of Nephtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You see, before, before Messiah came, before, before Jesus came, we thought God was a tyrant. We thought God hated us. And, it, you know, it's kind of hard for us to put ourselves in in that position, those of you sitting here today, I mean, we're so familiar with the story. We're so familiar with God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We're so familiar with the idea that God loves you and God cares about you and God has a plan for your life. Listen, 2,000 years ago, the Gentiles in particular had no clue about any of that stuff. God was, was fearful God was the one that was going to strike us all down. And that was what he wanted to do because we were so evil. You know, the, the truth of the matter is if God wants to do it, especially if he wants to just wipe us out, he can do that. He can do that. He doesn't have to wait till December 21st, 
2012. It's the 21st, 23rd, when is it? 21st? Okay, yeah. By the way, just a little plug, we're going to start the new year with a series called... <laughs> 2013, we're still here. Inquiring Mayans want to know. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to make a trailer for that or something. We didn't know these things, though. We thought that only the rich and the powerful pleased God. How many of you qualify as rich and powerful? I, I didn't think so. Really, the idea before Christ came was that those people who had a lot of money and those people who had a lot of power, they were the ones that were God's favorites. And everybody else just had fallen short some way. And Jesus came and said, no, I've come to preach good news to the poor. Now, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's, it's, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. You know, and, and growing up, I, I would hear sermons about that, and, I, and it was, and, uh, you know, a number of you have heard me share this before, but it, it's true. I would hear these sermons about, well, the eye of a needle was this special little door in the wall in Jerusalem and had to get down on your knees and, and crawl through so a man would have to humble himself to come to God. No, it isn't. It's a camel and a needle that he's talking about because he said what is impossible with man it's possible with God it's possible to get down on your knees and crawl through a little door it's not possible to squeeze a camel through a needle's eye it just can't be done but with God it can he can even save a rich person he can even save a powerful person but before Christ came we didn't know that was the way that it was we didn't know that he actually loved poor people. We thought carnal brute force was the strongest power in the universe. We didn't understand that the strongest power in the universe was the love of God, which was so strong that it enabled, it had the power to hold Jesus Christ to a cross so that we might be saved. Because God loved us so much, it had the power to do that. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Does anybody here know what the day of Midian's defeat is a reference to? Ten points. Gideon, ten points right there to the Parkers. I don't know what that'll get you, but... Okay, uh... Yeah, it was talking about Gideon. And, and the, that, was, that was who Gideon fought against, was, was Midian. Gideon, Midian. I just realized that. <laughs> and the Midianites were so numerous that they couldn't even be counted. They were like the sands on the sea. They were like a, a, a swarm of locusts coming into the land. They took everything. They took all the food. They, they took everything. There was nothing left behind. And Gideon was called by God to go and fight against them. And you know the story with 300 people, he went and killed, actually it was 300 plus one. 
and the one wasn't Gideon. The one was God. And if it had been three plus one, they could have still defeated. In fact, one plus one would actually do it, as long as you got the plus one going on. And, and, and he says, this thing that's getting ready to happen, this sermon that I'm getting ready, that I'm preaching here, is talking about a time that's as in the day of Midian's defeat. I mean, everybody had been starving, everybody had been pressed down, everybody had dreaded the Midianites coming every year, and they got, they got killed. They, they're gone. Not only are they gone, we got all their stuff. Woohoo! I mean, that's exciting. You know, that's the harvest. That's sharing the plunder. That's sharing the booty. And he, and he says, this, this, that, that's okay. <laughs> plunder. That's sharing the plunder. <laughs> English. Yeesh. As in the day of Midian's defeat, the, the rod that the, the, the yoke that had weighed them down has been shattered. The, the oppressor's rod has been destroyed. What is that yoke that weighed people down? Sin. Sin. It's been shattered. It, it's been destroyed. And we, we don't know it. I mean, we know it, but we don't know it. We, we know it, but... We don't know it. You know, besides, when people tell me, if, I, if people who normally come to church don't show up, I mean, you know, if they're on a trip or vacation, I understand that, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, and if they're sick, I, you know, I can understand that sort of thing. But there's, there's two of them that, that really get me. One of them is uh, Uncle Fred came from out of town, and so we couldn't go to church today. Our Uncle Bob or whoever he may happen to be. And the other one is, I just, I, I, I've been feeling so badly. I, I, I've just messed up so much. I just don't, can't, I, that's why I wasn't there, preacher. Where do you think you're supposed to be to get encouragement? Where do you think you're supposed to be to be renewed? Where, where do you think you're supposed to go to be encouraged when... See, uh, living a powerful, overcoming Christian life isn't about not ever doing anything bad. It's getting back up. And getting back up. And getting back up. The, the yoke has been shattered. It absolutely has. And how did that happen? Unto us a child is born. A son has been given. Government will be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What, what brings about these things? The birth of a child. It sounds to me like this birth is meant to be celebrated. As on the day of harvest, as on the day of Midian's defeat, as those who share the plunder, a child born to a virgin, a child coming from both Bethlehem, as Micah the prophet tells us, and also coming from Galilee, as, as Isaiah tells us. A birth that brought light to the Gentiles, to us. This child was given to us, and some things are too big to be contained by one word or, or two or three words. And so there are many words 
Wonderful. Counselor. You know what the word wonderful means? Full of wonder. Yeah. Another day that that one really hit me, I was, uh, because I've always thought wonderful meant, I don't know what I always thought wonderful meant. I always thought wonderful meant, you know, like candy or something. But I, I was reading the passage in, in Judges where the angel came and announced to Samson's mother that she was going to have this child. And she went and told her husband, and, and the husband said, well, maybe this guy will come back again. Well, he came back again and told them that, uh, that they were going to have this child. And, and um, Samson's father said, well, tell us your name so that we can honor you when this happens. And he says, oh, why, do you, why do you ask my name? My name is Wonderful. Full of wonder. It's something you can't comprehend, something you can't even understand. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Redeemer, Savior, Lord, King, Husband, Brother, Defender, Teacher, Healer, Example. I mean, there are things that, that cannot be contained by just a few words, and that is, what, that is what was given to us 2,000 years ago. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We just elected a, a, a president for four years, and that'll be eight years for him. Elizabeth II, come February, will have reigned for 61 years over England. She doesn't rule, but she reigns. And she's only two years short of Victoria. So she might catch her in our lifetime if we get past December 21st. <laughs> Does anybody know who the longest reigning monarch has been? Uh, human monarch, person? 100 points to anybody. I, I knew nobody would get this because I didn't know it either and I had to look it up. So if I didn't know it, well, she... <laughs> Just want to keep you all awake for these last couple of minutes. Uh, Sabhuza the second. Sabhuza the second, king of Swaziland. It's just south of Zimbabwe, actually. Uh, he reigned for 83 years, and he died in 1982. So it wasn't that long ago. And Louis XIV reigned for 72 years. That's a long time. Big deal of his government, there will be no end. Of his reign, there will be no end. Of the increase of it, there will be no end. This is, this is a government, this is a kingdom unlike anything we have ever seen. I mean, in our in our life in our world governments you know it doesn't really matter what your economic system is they do this they get good and then they get bad and then they get good and then they get bad I mean, i've you know i've lived through a few democrats and a few republicans and it gets good and it gets bad and it gets good and it gets bad that's the way that it is that's not the way that it is with his kingdom barbie was talking about you know there not being any fiscal cliff in God's kingdom, in God's economy. And in Jesus' kingdom, 
It, it keep, keeps on increasing. It started out as an embryo. It started out as, as, as an, on the day that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. And she conceived. And then it became a little baby. And then it became a man. And then it became a man with a small group of followers around him. And then it became a man who died on the cross and rose from the dead with a small group of followers around him. And then it became a larger group of followers. And a larger group. And today it, it, it comprises over 2 billion people who are alive right now. That's not including all of those in the great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. It will continue to increase forever and ever. Boy, I mean, that's, I can't get my mind around that, but it, I, I can start to. I can, I can start to begin to think about it. How does something just keep getting better? This does, and, 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 and the increase of the peace, there will be no end. That's going to take some getting used to. Because we're just not used to peace at all. I mean, you know, if it's not a war going on somewhere, then it's a, it's a relationship that's messed up somewhere. Or it's kids running through the house. I mean, there's just uh, peace is something we don't really understand. And when it, when it comes and is established, it's going to take us some getting used to, to be, to, be able to, to be able to plug into this. And the best news of all is the fact that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is not accomplished by human wisdom. It's not accomplished by human might. It's not accomplished by human effort. It's accomplished by the zeal of the Lord, and it will happen. It will come to pass. It's not dependent on how good we do the job. Now, you want to do the job well, <laughs> but it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on Him. And what I want to do today, what I'm, what I'm trying to do today is I'd like to give you just some stuff to munch on for the next four weeks, or at least till next week. You we'll, we can get some more munchies by then, you know. But I, I want to give you something because this is a special time. So well, I thought you said he wasn't born on the 25th. It's a special time because they will listen to you now. If you're in the right place, if we can get centered, if we can realize once again the beauty, the majesty, the wonder, the miracle of God becoming flesh and being given to us, light has dawned on the Gentiles. What that means. You know, if 10 of you grab that, hello, if 10 of you grab that and take it through the next four weeks, it'll do a lot more good than any sermon that I'll preach. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray with people come forward? Yes, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and I, I enjoy it very much, but you know what? It's also the most difficult time of the year for a lot of people. And even for those that look forward to this time and look forward to seeing it come, and it's so wonderful, and maybe you have a lot to look forward to, 
that doesn't mean that you're exempt from needing prayer for some things. So if you need prayer. And you know what? The more the devil tries to distract, the more that ought to tell somebody, wait a minute. He's not distracting me. I'm, you know, what I need to do, I need to do. You may, there are people who need healing. There are people who have relationships and need to be put back together. There are people who need jobs. There are people uh, who, who need wisdom about decisions. There are people who need Christ, don't know, don't know Christ. The altar's open. We're going to, these brothers and sisters are here to pray with you. You come if you need prayer. The rest of us are going to adore him for a little while, worship him for a few minutes, create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to work. If you need prayer, you come. Your presence, Lord. 
Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world as a gift to us a child who's given may he keep from you the distractions of this season and may his spirit enable you to focus and center in on Christ and his goodness and the light that he has shed abroad through Jesus Christ our Lord